0: This is a Wild Caves production podcast. Welcome to the D&D world. Meet you by the art room door. In a circle on the hallway floor.
1: I made up a new map last night. Got a dragon and a
2: wizard fight. I'm gonna give them very minimal hints, and it's gonna be something that they can't make a roll for, um, and they're just gonna to have to use their brains. And I'm I'm excited to see how that goes.
0: It's my favorite kind of puzzle. I like puzzles where you actually have to use your brains. And you don't just roll for the answer.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a cipher that when it's deciphered is a riddle, and then they have to. <laughs> They have to solve the riddle, and then the answer will open up like a secret door. I like puzzles in D and D games for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I've never used them really. It's it's <laughs> such a like. It's outside of my repertoire. Good but luck. In the Dungeons and dragons, Wait, no, yeah, it is. It is one of those. Uh, <laughs> this is the Favorite Eye Podcast, a podcast about classic D and I'm one of your hosts, Crispy. I'm one of your hosts, Carl.
3: And I'm one of your hosts, Courtney.
2: And as you can hear again this week, uh, we are joined by a special guest. We have with us, Jason Charles Miller. Jason. What's up?
0: Jason, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, I I, I first was aware of you uh, years ago. I saw a a music video that you did with Felicia Day. uh, Nice. And that's when I first knew you existed. But then I saw you championing Basic Dungeons and Dragons, which is uh, a deep love of mine. And that's uh, uh, when I became a fan. Because <laughs> anybody that that uh, uh, heralds Basic D&D is, is a hero in my book.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Uh, where did you first see me doing it? Was it on Foreververse or was it on Starter Kit?
0: Uh, Foreververse. Yeah, I saw you... Great. Uh, I saw you running basic D&D on Foreververse and that was just fantastic to see it getting that kind of exposure. The only episodes of Foreververse I've ever seen were the basic <laughs> D&D ones, which is nothing against the show itself. I was just that's just my that is my fandom.
1: Back to basic. Totally the red book, the uh, lawful neutral chaotic alignment, like everything is just like so well basic but <laughs> yeah. Super fun super That was fun. my
2: introduction to you as well Was actually Foreververse It's uh, oh. so like two years ago I think it was uh, We got a, a Smart TV and I was flipping Through like the the Built in like streaming TV package that it has And I saw Foreververse and I was like oh what's this And then it just so happened to be the I didn't know what Foreververse Was I was mm-hmm. literally flipping Through the channels and I came across the the uh, the show.
1: Awesome. Very, very cool. You know, apparently a lot of people p- who work at Best Buy, like, put the Geek and Sundry or uh, Pluto channel on the TV at Best Buy. <laughs> and so, like, I would get the most random text messages from, like people i went to high school with or something that were like dude i just saw you on tv at best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just...
2: as we talked about a little bit before the show i was also a fan of yours unconsciously <laughs> because of your voice acting work in Final fantasy 14
1: great yeah well that's uh that's when we know we're doing our job i guess is when people are fans of us but they don't even realize it
2: yeah all right. Uh, so cool. we're going to be talking to Jason a little bit today just about uh, his interest in the hobby and, and sort of like his history with D&D. Um, so I think we should start with the first question, because generally, anytime we have a new guest on, uh, we we always ask some variation of this question. And uh, okay. you, you want to fire away?
3: Yeah. So, um, Jason, the first question is, how did you get into RPGs?
1: Uh, it was kind of a combination of uh, my cousin and my neighbor. So my cousin, who's like a year older than me, first introduced me to D and D. When I, I want to say I was like eight, and he was nine, um, and we made my character, and I was so proud of him. And my cousin is a ruthless DM, <laughs> and within like within like ten minutes. He had my character, uh, naked on the street, <laughs> stripped of all of his items and money. <laughs> so, uh, uh, then my neighbor and I used to play on the bus. I grew up in, uh, rural, rural Virginia, like out in the woods. And so... Uh, our bus ride to the nearest school was pretty long. Uh, you know, it was like 45 minutes or something. And so uh, you, you had time to to kind of get something going in the back of the bus. So, uh, yeah, from, you know, early elementary school, pretty much throughout my life, I've been playing D&D. Um, as we were saying a minute ago, I started with basic and just sort of have tried and dabbled in every edition that's been out. And uh, really I do love fifth edition because I think that it sort of refines everything that sort of has ever been in the D and D universe and puts it all together. But my, my heart will always be in, I'll always have a basic heart.
0: <laughs> well, that leads us right into our next question, which is what is it about basic that sticks with you after all these years?
1: Uh I think I spent so much time reading the rule book that, you know, I can still see the artwork. The first one that comes to mind is the female fighter holding her sword on the on the equipment page. As a young boy I spent a lot of time looking at that picture.
0: Uh, <laughs> Morgan Morgan Ironwolf,
1: Mor- world famous. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Ironwolf. Uh exactly. Uh and so I guess it's just that uh, it was a gateway to another world. And so that will always stick with me as um, a, like a fount of creativity for me, you know? So, mm-hmm. so that's the best way I can describe it. I mean, I never I never really thought about why it holds a, dear place in my heart but you know just thinking about it that's got to be that's got to have a lot to do with it is just the fact that it was the first one that i ever had that's such a great reason to stick with it
2: i'm reading your INDE page as you talk and like <laughs> you were a guy giant street fighter 4 what the heck man
1: <laughs> Shinryu would be my quill
2: <laughs> what the heck this is the best
4: <laughs> day ever <laughs>
2: So you've run B1 a couple of times and recorded game sessions and video series. Uh, what is it about B1 uh, that makes it hold a special place in your heart?
1: For B, okay, B1 has it all. I mean, you're going in an underground fortress. There's like the weird mushroom garden area. There's like the weird room with like 37 pools of different things you can drink. <laughs> I love There's, room. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, I mean, it's literally like everything about D and D is crammed into that dungeon. I mean, and literally crammed. Like <laughs> you can't go into a room without there being some epic thing happening. So, uh, when we started the show Starter Kit... Well, well, first of all, when I when I ran that adventure with the Foreververse uh, cast, that's what really kind of uh, sparked the idea for Starter Kit. So when we did Starter Kit, I'm like, I want to run B1 again, modified for 5th edition. And someone had actually modified it for 5e, and my friend... Um, Christopher Lindsay, who's a VP at D and D, was able to get that for me, and uh, we were able to use it in the show, which was really a cool, fun thing to do.
2: Were you guys using the Goodman Games re-release and update? Was it like a big, thick, pink book?
1: Well, we just had a PDF of it, so I let me see if it if it was Goodman Called into the
2: Borderlands
1: is the name of the actual book. Well that's B2, isn't it? Oh, oh, I know what you mean. They took B1 and they took B1 and B2 and called it into the borderlands mm-hmm. because it had it had uh, both, yeah. It had both in it. That's right. Yeah. Um I think it was a an early uh draft of that. It hadn't been published yet.
2: Okay. That's pretty neat. That's like a that's a neat perk.
3: Yeah. So do you still play uh, or like to play classic D&D to this day or is it just a a once-in-a-while trip down memory lane for you?
1: It's really just a a once-in-a-while trip mainly because um, of time. You know, I have like one campaign that I'm a member of right now um, and then everything else that I do is usually broadcast. So it's just literally uh, time that I have to spend on – all, all the things that I do having a Saturday afternoon open or something to just get some friends together and play basic D D just isn't in my life. I mean, especially now, but, uh, but even before, so like I'm in, I was in the middle of an in-person campaign with a bunch of friends. And then right now I'm on, I'm in a different campaign that we're playing over zoom once a week And then it seems like almost every week I'm involved in some sort of online charity or... People
0: bugging you to be on a podcast, that kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Rescheduling
2: it like nine times. It's great. great. I gotta... I got to play D&D. My <laughs> schedule's full of d d right now. I have no time.
1: <laughs> right, it's like my schedule's so full of talking about D&D or performing <laughs> about d d or doing some on D. I can't actually play D&D.
0: So, the blessing and curse. Right. I understand. Monkey
2: paw, the monkey's paw curls another finger.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Very
2: um, true. <laughs> It's like a flashback to, to nine-year-old Jason
1: in <laughs> just being like,
2: man, I wish I could make D&D my job.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Your wish is my command. And the rest is history.
2: So when you were playing uh, BX with the Foreververse crew, how receptive do you think they were to those rules and sort of, you know, the the gonzoness of B1 when you ran it for them?
1: They seem to really love it. We actually, it was supposed to only be a one-off because Ivan was the GM and for Foreververse, but he was also in charge of um, Tabletop Day, preparing for that. And uh, rather than have to prepare a dungeon every week, um, I took the reins, which was only supposed to be for one week, and then it turned into three because everybody was having so much fun. Um, what i think is super crazy about basic is that you know clerics don't even get any spells till level 2 <laughs> so i i had to uh gear up our cleric with at least some healing scrolls cuz i was brutal i wanted everybody at level 1
2: mhm i'm having the same experience actually with a game i'm running tomorrow where uh i'm taking some people who you know are like massive fivey fans and uh there's only two of them, so I have to take I have to pull my punches a little bit. But to beat okay. them up, I gave them a couple extra abilities, and uh, I ended up giving the first level cleric like a lay on hands kind of thing. So he has like a tiny little bit of healing. You can send your hate mail to questions at save or die. Uh,
1: well, oh. <laughs> I mean that's the thing, right? Like character death was a normal thing back in the day. Like that's why people talk about. Like, oh, I had this character, you know... Schlipel Block, the the brave, and he he was my character for thirty years. I'm like, I don't have any of those those memories because I played basic D and D, and all my characters died. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like so, I don't, uh, you know, I've I've got a wide variety of characters that I've played over the years, only because mainly they all died.
0: Yeah, he was my character for thirty minutes, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and then he got killed by a skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um. You've run uh, basic D&D and then you've run 5e using a basic D&D module. Do you think there are rules or ideas from 5e you would pull into basic D&D or vice versa?
1: Um I probably okay, I don't know if I would pull anything from 5e into basic, but I I might pull for example the more loose idea of alignment. Mm-hmm. in from basic into 5e when Satine hosted um gm tips when i was a guest on it our subject was alignment you know and people have uh, you know a lot of people don't even use alignment in 5e like it's definitely an optional mm-hmm. thing i still think alignment's cool just because i grew up playing w- with it you know but i i might pull the 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 looser rules from that into it that that's one thing i can think of off the top of my head um how
2: do you think like a uh, morale would play out in a 5e game
1: that could be interesting yeah and that was based on like a six-sided die wasn't it too yeah too you
2: like so you have a bell curve
1: right yeah yeah that could be cool yeah combat in in basic was 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 Pretty wacky, too. And then like the whole Wandering Monster chart. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that w- the Wandering Monster chart just needs to be around for everything. Like mm-hmm. you know, the best laid plans can always be foiled by good old Wandering Monster.
2: Or if they're not, they're not going as quickly as you want. Or they're like trying to really game the system. And it's like, all right, well now, uh bugbears come out and uh, they kill you. <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I think what it is talking about gaming the system, right? Like you've got a whole group of people that grew up playing MMOs, right? And so they're so used to maximizing their character in every aspect that with D&D, it was kind of like, well, I'm a fighter with a strength of eight. Uh, I (laughs) guess this is what I'm doing. You know, uh, because depending on how your DM, you know, how how strict your DM was, you might have some crappy ass stats and just have to go for it. I think uh, like
2: one I haven't played 5B in a little while. Like, I still like it. It's still a good game. It's just um, just every character started just feeling the same because we would always do like the array for stats. Um,
1: Right. Yeah. And Just like
2: I was like, man. I'm always, like, at first level, I always have, like, plus six or plus seven to hit, and I always do, like, a D8 plus five damage. Like, I just always felt like every character I was playing, you know, if I was playing a warlock, it it felt the same as if I was playing, like, a fighter in fifth edition. And I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know how to fix that, or necessarily if it's something that you can even fix, you know?
1: Well, what it what it does is it, it, it enables people at first level to have fun right away. And I'm fully in, in support of that. Yeah. What you'll find is when you get to the higher levels, that's when it gets really, really interesting and cool about 5e. I mean, there's some stuff you can do, um, you know, from like seventh level onward that is kind of mind-blowing, you know. And I think that it enables – It's very well tuned for like fifth level and above, right? Like maybe one through four, you're going to feel overpowered, but you might have, uh, but that really depends on what your DM throws at you too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I, I get where you're coming from with that, but, um, I think that they really, you know, look, it was like a perfect storm for d and d the company mm-hmm. um in the f- in the fact that like they wanted to make the game more accessible and then shows like critical role happened where people just all of a sudden were were fascinated with d and d and with role playing games and then you've yeah, got this system play- that really works mm-hmm. and yeah. you can be a level one character and just jump right in and, and have a great time
2: some of my favorite gaming memories from recent years. And I'm not, not—I'm not like... Five is good. Like, it went back to the roots, which I think is mm-hmm. probably... it's Like, that's, you know... That's, I think, why... That's at least part of why it's been able to catch on, like, Wildfire, is because... You know, in... in you have these people who haven't played D&D for 20, 30 years. Now they're coming back into it because they have kids, and it's just... It's accessible enough to where it has modern design sensibilities from everything they've learned from, you know, making d d for 40 years. But it still has the, it still looks like d d It still feels like D&D. And, like, yeah, I think you're, you're definitely right about, like, upper-level stuff. Because some of the best 5e memories I have were, like you know one shots where it's like all right you guys are level 9 in this one or you guys are level 16 in this one and just being able to throw like balrogs and like vampires and all this crazy stuff at people
1: yeah yeah um and their one-offs work great with 5e I mean look I've got a uh, an adventure that I wrote that I that I run at every convention that asks me to run an adventure it's a one-off and it's a level everyone's level 1 um, but be- the way the rules are in in Five E, like everyone has a great time, and I ha- I've never had a TPK so far, and most people make it to the final battle. Really? So
3: you're too soft of a DM. Then I've never. had <laughs>
1: <Hey!
2: laughs> hey,
1: <but>
3: like maybe <laughs> I made a well balanced
1: adventure. Do you ever think about
4: that? <laughs> sure, I'm, sure.
2: That's yeah. against my D and D religion. What is? balanced encounters it's <laughs> oh. <laughs> gonna say i was like i've never run a 5e game where i haven't killed at least one person
1: i'm not saying uh, i'm not yeah. saying everybody's yeah people. but no tpks sure yes Mm-mm. also when you're at a convention right like uh i want my players to have a good time especially if like i'm running a game for eight strangers so uh Maybe I'm soft with, with you know, you, you might have oh. something there, but you know, I, I, I think maybe I just wrote a, wrote, wrote a well-balanced adventure, but you know, rem- <laughs> I'll run you guys through it next time.
4: About that.
2: Maybe can, you can problem. decide for yourself. The best game designer ever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
0: possible. <laughs>
1: All
2: right. Hey, speaking of, uh, MMOs and D and D, uh, you want to do your drift steward and voice for us?
1: Yes. Uh, Hello, I'm Drew Steward. I've heard about you from Regis. Perhaps you can uh, enlighten me with tales of your adventure.
3: So
0: oh, good! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't play any. Time. I don't play any video games, so this is a much different experience for me. Your voices are great. I bet they make great DMing. <laughs> but I don't yeah, have Dris the Drew voice is the best one. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Thank when, you. when are they
2: going to give you the audiobook deal? What? what when's that happening? <laughs> because I think it's. You should talk to Bob
1: Salvatore. That's all I'm saying. Well, I met Bob a couple of years ago at Comic Con, and he knew that I was the voice of and Neverwinter online, and we talked for a couple of minutes, and he was very cool. But yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be great, I, you know. It, the way video games work and, and so many other things work is like each production company has their own cast for different things, you know? So, uh, I'd love to do the just audio books. Uh, I just don't even know how to, how to campaign or audition for it, or I'm sure there's already
3: somebody for it, you know? Um, yeah. I'm sure they're listening to the podcasts. or, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, great. Well,
1: They, they all, they, 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 um, the publisher of, of the Drist novels definitely listens, right? Without <laughs> uh, a doubt. I can
3: only imagine. Okay. Look, we've yeah. had
1: Tracy Hickman on the show a few times.
2: A few times? Nice. Yes. Wow. I'm in uh, good company. Actually, since, you know, it was Forever, forever versus Through Geek & Sundry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you are, as we all have established, you're the best game designer in the world. Uh, we were actually <laughs> featured in a Geek & Sundry article a few years ago of uh, top five expert level dungeons and dragons podcast uh, to listen nice. to. Nice. Yeah, and our episode with uh, with Tracy was actually the one that was highly recommended.
1: That's amazing. I'm sorry that I missed that. Why didn't you lead with that when you were messaging me on on Facebook Messenger? We
3: don't have a good marketing team. <laughs>
0: I dropped it's the ball. Cool, mostly- <laughs> <laughs> that was before I was on the show, so I didn't lead with that.
3: Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have
1: rescheduled it nine times. Only seven. Only seven.
0: Oh, man.
2: These are awesome. good. These are helpful. Like I don't know the <laughs> entertainment industry, so like I'm taking notes.
3: So, Jason, um, how has growing up playing D&D shaped the path that you took in life? And has there been any part of it that led you down the career path you're on now?
1: Totally. I mean, I can tell you directly a couple of things. So, uh, one, I was at a she-she Hollywood party uh, 10 years ago, at least, and um, my friend Neil Strauss, who's a a writer for Rolling Stone, he's written a bunch of books, he co-wrote Marilyn Manson's book, uh, et cetera, et cetera. he, uh, he, he wrote the dirt motley crew. Anyway, he was like, Hey, there's this guy that works for me. He plays D and D. You guys should talk. So that led directly to, so that was a guy named, uh, George Rockwell, who actually, I'm. we played a campaign together for years and we're still in our person game, which is on hold for now. Um, through George is how I met Satine Phoenix uh, because uh, when she was running her uh, charity D&D game, which is how I met a lot of people that play D&D now, which is sort of what – what, here's what's really interesting is through voice acting is how I know Matt Mercer and mm-hmm. Travis Willingham and Marisha and, and everybody else. Tallison actually gave me my first voiceover job ever back in 2003. So uh, the stuff that I did with Felicia happened completely separately than me doing all the theme songs for Critical Role, and so we all ended up at Geek and Sundry, which is kind of mind blown. But yeah, I would say playing D anD D certainly led to a lot of different opportunities in my career. So not even like esoterically to say that, like, well, you know. Uh, it, it expanded my mind creatively, and it might. Like, no, no, no! Like it did, and all of that happened. But also, just being a D and D player in Hollywood ten years ago, where it was spoken about in hushed tones, and you could <laughs> you you couldn't say that you played D and D into a crowd of people, or they would just ridicule you. And I'm talking about adults. You know what I mean? Like no one wanted to admit that they played D and D for fear of of uh, you know, ostracization of just or just being, you know, uh, I probably would have gotten kicked out of the party immediately. But anyway, but yeah, just from that, just from like knowing the people that work in Hollywood who actually play uh, was like a huge thing that, that I think definitely helped my career. But but in an organic way, it was not like I thought, thought that that would help with anything. Mm-hmm. Other than other than the creative process. You know, other than it working the parts of your brain that that help you create better. But, but what I didn't realize was just that knowing other people that played D D would, would just create business opportunities for me that I wasn't even really looking for. It just kinda happened.
3: It's the power of the secret. Oprah was right. <laughs> So of any of your voices that you've done, I can only imagine you did voices for your characters when you were a kid growing up. So did any of those translate into characters that you did voices for professionally?
1: I mean, not necessarily, no. Um, not directly? No, not directly. But I think it certainly helped of just having that outlet of of being able to uh, become another character for a while at an early age uh, and role-playing is is improvisation you know what i mean and i think that 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 helped a ton with just being comfortable doing that so so yes but i can't be like you know uh you know glorp the goblin you know is is what led me to to book this specific role or anything like that but but i think just in general yes you could say that
2: How would you encourage people who didn't grow up playing classic D&D, who might be fans of yours, to look into these older rule sets? Uh, What value do you think these rules have for today's players? And what do you think that 5e can benefit from the classic D&D design?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, if you're looking to get in for the first time, that's what 5e is designed for. You know, so if someone's just looking to play... um, I wouldn't confuse them with with basic D&D. But uh, once you've played a little bit, it's certainly fun to go back. And if for some reason, like, I don't know, like it's in your your dad's bookshelf and the only set of rules that you have basic D&D, devour those things. Because if you learn that, uh, adapting to 5e would be very easy. Except for, of course... Faco, you know, and armor class, which is really, you know, that's I'm kind of glad that they corrected that because it always was weird. We're like, I have a negative five armor class. I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, uh, I, 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 I agree with them fixing that part of it.
0: Yeah, it's not a change that bothers me. In fact, it's a change they were trying to implement as early as 1983. Wow. They were they were. Uh, yeah,
2: they just didn't think they could, right? <laughs> <But> they'd revolt.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you know, change with your change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, there's one thing that I, that I do love about early D&D, whether it's basic or AD&D, you know, is that I'm kind of a big fan of the classic uh, races that you could play. You know like I'm not the, the one thing about 5e that I'm not into is uh I freaking hate dragon <laughs> I, I hate dragonborn as a player as a player uh class because look in dungeons and dragons you can't be the dungeon and you can't be the dragon okay <laughs> um I just feel like the concept of a dragonborn is just so overpowered that uh it, it even even how the rules are with it and it, I, i'm just i'm not a fan i know yeah dragon. i understand and uh there's one other thing that i and i have a huge bump, I, I i've tracked down who did this <laughs> and i know who did this that i'm about to tell you uh and i'm not going to tell you who did it but i know who at dnd did it and when the next time like when when the Quarantine's lifted and people are allowed to be in a room together again. Uh, I'm going to find this individual and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And that is this. Lizard, men's, lizard men speak draconic? That, that's wrong. Lizard men have their own lizard man language. Yeah. But it was simplified so that if you, if you speak draconic that you also speak lizard man. And I have a huge problem. Huge, huge problem with that.
0: But yeah, I, I do I,
1: I do love that you can play lizard folk, and I totally would play a lizard folk.
0: That's the kind of so. <laughs> minutia fist shaking that I live for.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and I know who did it. I know exactly who did it, because I, I asked around with my people who I know that work there, and I'm like, who decided this?
0: Now, I, I feel the same way about kobolds. Kobolds became draconic at some point, too, and that's weird yeah. to me. Uh, Right. But, like, I I totally feel you on the Dragonborn thing because, like you're saying, it doesn't matter how balanced it is in the rules. The concept of, like, this giant dragon monster being in your group kind of raises the bar of where the fantasy is set to. And when you start off at that fantastic a level, it's harder to be like, oh, we're scared of goblins because there's a seven-foot-tall dragon person, right? Like, what's what's the fear? Well...
1: Yeah, and, like, there's another thing, too. Like, so, for example, my, a friend of mine who recently caught the D&D bug, um, he was like, I made I made my first character ever in D&D. And I'm like, cool. Uh, what is he? He's like, he's a warlock tiefling. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, that's your first character? <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's like handing a uh a fighter jet to a five year old or something. <laughs> you know? Like like I feel like the like you shouldn't if you're a new player, like you shouldn't be allowed to play a warlock tiefling <laughs> for your first character. It just seems <laughs> so that that so that's where like my love of basic comes out. And I, look, I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper. I'm not like like everyone do what you want, but I'm just saying like, sometimes you need to learn, you need to walk before you can run, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, creativity thrives under constraint, is the, the saying. Like my first character was like an elf fighter. Like, it was yeah. just real basic, just real bare bones. We didn't get to do anything because it was the introductory <laughs> session. So it's like all right, kids, so we were sitting with the seniors at lunch. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, you, you can play d d with us. Sure, whatever.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like. But I, I think, think with I teaching think- people, that's why I kept on on Starter Kit, too, even though it was 5E. Uh, I wanted to make sure that just sort of the basic uh, classes and races were covered so that it it's not so overwhelming for new people.
0: Mm-hmm. It's easier to imagine yourself as a dwarf than imagine yourself as a tiefling or a dragonborn. You know, there's a less right. steps mentally you have to take to picture yourself as an elf, you know, or something that's a little bit more uh, humanocentric. Um, Everyone kind of knows what an elf
2: is. like,
1: And a dwarf, like, yeah, and a and halfling. CD,
2: you're not going to know what a tiefling is. Right. Right, or a tabaxi. <laughs> I was just going to say tabaxi. <laughs> I don't understand what this like Tabaxi <laughs> craze lately is. It's weird. It's it he goes phases, right? It he goes phases. It's all right.
0: So uh, we've talked a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, we we uh, know you from your love of basic D anD. d We we uh, uh, were listening to your music just the other night. Me and Courtney were with that music. You tour, and because of that, you have a new show called On Tour with Dragons. And I want you to yeah. just uh, take a moment and tell us about that. We watched some episodes of it. I saw some basic D and D in that, which uh, you know I was elated to see. I love I love uh, uh, basic D and D shout outs, but the show uh, in and of itself is a wonderful idea. Well, thanks.
1: I uh, went to the folks at at D and D Wizards, and I was like, look, I'm going to be on tour. I would love to do something where, um, you know, I feel like the the family owned individual. Uh, independently owned game store is one of the last sort of pieces of Americana in the nerd world that's left, you know. And so, why not feature some of these stores where uh, you know there's there's thriving gaming communities there. There's it's it's such a good thing for people to know about, and everyone has their favorite gaming store. And, and I just thought, you know, look, I'm, I'm going to be in all these cities here, are all the cities that I'd be in, let's see if we can film some of it. And, and I was really happy. I, and I met so many great people uncovered some really great stories and histories. And for a layman's term, I like to just say, well, it's kind of like diners, drive-ins and dives, but of game stores, <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of how we did it. And, um, they're bite-sized episodes. They're all like under 10 minutes and it just features the store. You know, I usually interview the owner, the manager, maybe a community leader or two from the area. And, you know, it's I, I love to give more attention to those brick-and-mortar stores. And we were going to release it in February, March, uh, but then... You know, things happened and so everything was delayed. So I actually reshot the beginning of each show where um, we talk about how you can support these stores now because some of them are open in a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably by now some are fully open. But um, when we put the episodes out, you know, it's like, well, this store is available for curbside pickup. This store has this. This store has that. Just because like, we wanted people to realize that they can still support the local store.
0: Yeah, it's it's an awesome show and it's a great idea and it's great to to put some light on these uh, companies that have a hard enough time uh, without pandemics. Uh, you know, game stores it's a it's a hard yeah. market to be in, and yeah, uh, you know, anybody who runs a game store is doing it because they love it because there's not they're not making truckloads of money <laughs> operating. No, a game store. I know
1: they do because it's their love and like they would rather be there than anywhere else, and I I love that. I mean, even like. Um, one of the stores that comes to mind is, uh, common ground games in Dallas and, uh, a gay couple owns the store and they're sort of like a beacon of, um, of a safe space for the LGBTQ community in Dallas. It's, it's doing more than just making places where people can play games is where people can go and feel safe, you know, and that's, that's kind of a rare thing too. Uh, I'm really glad that. Be able to shine a light on that
2: uh i haven't seen on tour with dragons yet i this sounds what great. Like, I, what yeah, interview close, over <laughs> oh. well, we'd like to thank jason carl's miller for and, no, what were you Carl, when Sorry. we like when we talked about scheduling he's like hey uh <laughs> I'm gonna out you real quick, Carl. That's fine. So, yeah, I, I just talked to to D&D guy Fieri, and I thought that was because like you have like a pretty crazy long beard, you know, you have, like, very, very distinguishing facial hairs. I was like, that's like a weird thing to say, but like I see it. Yeah. Uh,
1: not, that but now literally... you get it. Now you, but, you get, know, it. I get it. Yeah. That's cool. I'll <laughs> look. I'll take D and D Guy Fieri any day of the week. That's oh yeah. I'm coming out. Guy
0: Fieri is awesome.
1: I've also recently gotten Goth Cowboy Dad He called me that <laughs> on Twitter, but See, they, meant, some, they, like, they, they meant like country Ian from Anthrax. Like that works too. Yeah, I actually have played shows with his wife, who is a country singer, hmm. Pearl, whose father is Meatloaf. So whoa, <laughs> put all those pieces together. Think about that later. <laughs>
0: well uh i think that's it right (laughs) well yeah is there anything else uh you'd like to say Uh, thank you so much for being here but if you uh uh, have anything else you want to talk about just let us know yeah well on the on the music side a little bit
1: uh, so i now um because tours have basically been canceled for a while postponed or whatever like probably be on tour again till 2021 Um, I've launched my own Twitch channel and every Monday night at seven Pacific, I do a show called Miller's music Mondays and I play and people tune in and I, I'll play solo stuff. I'll play stuff, my old band Godhead, I'll play D and D stuff, I'll play covers, I'll do it all. And and, um, so that's been really fun. uh, And it's just been like an outlet for me to continue to perform.
3: So, um, is your uh, Twitch channel on Monday nights? Is it more like a jam session kind of format, or
1: yeah, like i people, it it's real loose. So I'll play a song. I'll talk to people during the song. People will ask me questions. I'll talk about that. I'll give like the history of of uh, this song. You know, like oh, this song was in True Blood, and here's why. And you know, so the Twitch channel is just my name. So it's just twitch.tv TV slash Jason Charles Miller.
2: And then uh, I just wanted to, I have one final question. <clears throat> what is your favorite uh, brand of domestic light beer?
1: <laughs> mm, <laughs> tough, there man. One? Like, there, there's not really a good answer to that. Because uh, I'm just not a big fan of light beer. I'm not really... I'm more... I barely drink, believe it or not.
2: I don't know if you're a comedic genius or if I'm a comedic genius. <laughs> I was just trying to get you to say Miller Lite. Oh, there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought you were like I've heard this
1: question a thousand times. Miller Lite. <laughs> well, under the yeah. Chart. Usually <laughs> people say it's Miller time or whatever. I, I get that a lot. You know?
3: I was wondering why Crispy was asking such a specific question. <laughs> like not just what's your favorite beer, but like, <laughs> what's like your man, wow, Miller this Light. is very <laughs> like detailed. <laughs>
0: I thought he found some weird corner of your Wikipedia. <laughs> He's just confirming facts. Right. We could this
1: it's coolers, actually. <laughs>
0: I don't yeah. know who edited that in. Someone
1: said uh.
2: PBR. <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. And, like, thanks for having it's cool. me. Like, man, as <laughs> like, uh. cool as you want someone who, you know, is. The voice actor for your favorite like fantasy character. This has been a this has been a good day for me.
1: <laughs> I'm glad, man, because a lot of people are not having a lot of good days right now. So I'm yeah. glad that it, it it it's a good day for you. I appreciate that. That's great. So.
2: And my favorite Final Fight character, like this. I'm,
1: I'm gonna let
0: you go. Know. Thank you.
1: For my- <laughs> Thank you All so much. Thank
0: you so much. Well,
1: I will say this: I'm under a couple of NDAs right now. Well, I always am. I've been work I've been working a lot lately and uh, I can't wait till you see what I'm in next because uh it's I'm it's probably one of the coolest roles I've gotten so far as a voice actor so I can't wait uh, to announce it. Awesome. You'll know it. You'll know it when you see it. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Jason.
3: For
1: being here. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. Take care.
2: All right. And uh, once again, thank you so much for, uh, to Jason Charles Miller for being on the show. Courtney, we have some emails this week. Why don't we go ahead and read that first one?
3: Yes, we do. Thank you to everyone who sent us in some emails. Um, this one says, hello, dear Sodders. I'm a player who cut his teeth on the nightmare known as D&D 3rd Edition. In time, I discovered Castles and Crusades, the OSR, and the older D&D RPGs. Regrettably, I can't seem to find people to try all of these great games. I have to say, I am a big fan of the podcast. Your wit, maturity, and intelligent discussions are always welcome. I hope you are alright, both in body and spirit, and wish you survive this horrendous outbreak without damage. So for this time, when all is good and hopefully you are able to have other discussions on this podcast, I'd like to request a discussion on the subject of Gaz 13, the Shadow Elves. I am in love with this underground elves. I'd take them over the drow any day. I'd love to hear your impressions of them. Stay safe, and God bless you all. Atanis.
2: much, Atanis. Uh, We do plan on getting through all of the Gazetteers. Uh... At some point, <laughs> I think we were actually before this show, we were going to do the next one. Uh, but then we got this great opportunity to have Jason on the show and we decided to go with that. But yeah, I uh, can I can I hog the air? I'm sorry for like a couple minutes. Sure. My uh, so I'm running a, I'm running a BX game tomorrow from the time this is being recorded. And uh, I just I decided to put it in Mystara, Um and man, I'm loving Mr. Welch's like video series for if I if I have to without, you know, reading a 96 page gazetteer, if I need to convey information to Mm -hmm. my players about stuff, I will just watch his video on the subject. Uh, The shadow elves are one that like I
0: haven't had a lot of call for yet. So
2: I'm also interested in, in learning more about them.
0: Yeah, we keep hearing that the the gazes get get better as you go. So I'm very excited. I'm especially excited to to get to the um, halfling one. We're really close, and it's just right around the corner. So I, I want to read more about that one because uh, it's one we we used uh when we were kids and i i never read it but my mom used it actually in a game we played so i i have these kind of fragmented memories of it so we are going to get through all of the gazetteers that is that is definitely the goal
3: i would just say i know nothing beats getting together you know face to face to play them with some new friends or or old friends but try and find a game to jump in online um we played some games uh online this past weekend and uh, it was a new experience, but it was a lot of fun. So maybe even though you can't get together face-to-face or that you can't seem to find anybody in your local area that wants to play these games, I'm sure that um, you can find some people online to play with you. Mm-hmm.
2: There are Facebook groups for that. Uh, there's a like, there's an old-school group finder group that's pretty popular. I think you're in that one with me, Carl. Um, and then there's also like a BX d d Facebook page. Um, I think... I know Roll Twenty has forums for recruiting gamers to play over the internet. Uh, I assume Fantasy Grounds probably also has that, um, you know, or different forums. There are there are definitely ways for you to get a game going. It may not be face to face, but Zoom is pretty great. And uh, one thing I've been using a lot lately for work, but I think it would be awesome for a D and D game is Microsoft Teams. Actually.
0: Yeah, and I, I, um, we talked a little bit about it on the show prior. I ran a community game for uh, Save or Die listeners, and uh, that went really well. I plan to do that again. Uh, it's nothing scheduled this time, but uh, keep an eye out on the Facebook page, and I will post when I plan to run my next uh, listener community game. Yeah, those are always really fun.
2: But yeah, so hopefully uh, that gives you some resources to look into to get a game going also you could always just have your friends in your area and be like hey I want to run something would you guys try this out with me and try to make it you know non-committal but like you know 3.5 and and 5e games are kind of a dime a dozen online so you running a, a bx game or a castles and Crusades game even, um, that's going to be something kind of special. That'll be a unique experience, and you could probably leverage that as like a selling point for your game.
3: Well, definitely want to say thank you for writing in. Um, we're ecstatic that you're enjoying the show, and uh, keep listening. We'll have some great stuff coming to you. <laughs>
4: no pressure.
2: Do <laughs> 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 okay, we want to jump into the next one from DM Kojo? doritos mountain dew kojo
3: <laughs> that sounds so good right now <laughs> all
0: right, um... <laughs> Actually,
3: all right so we have a email from dm kojo crispy
0: you missed your cue oh, I... crispy
2: oh i'm sorry oh, uh, oh uh, uh, uh 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 just patch this in uh uh double mint kojo <laughs>
3: He writes, dear sidecasters, based on the title of the episode, I came into this adventure all fired up, but I think it was a great episode.
0: So we should note that he's speaking um, of uh, the he's angry. <laughs> yeah. The reason he's angry is he's speaking I'll about the um, goodness gracious, the myth the, of old school
3: exceptionalism. Yeah. All right. Based on the title of the episode, I came into this adventure all fired up, but I think it was a great episode. I've never thought of old school gaming as exceptional, but do recognize that that there are definitely differences in the approach to the game and the play styles. I think that the early games were not as definitive in how people should game, and I think that led to as many different styles as you had gaming groups. I do think we older gamers reminisce about how our games were, but I suspect that our games were not necessarily exactly as we remember either. I think that the more people that play RPGs the better, and I don't get bogged down in Edition Wars or take issue with different games. I believe they all have something good to offer, and that if you are having fun, that is great. I also recognize that not all games or editions are going to be the best fit for my personal play preferences, and that is okay too. For example, I like character development to happen organically as the campaign unfolds, so my players roll stats 3d6 down the line. 4d6 drop one during moments of weakness mm. and play <laughs> Sorry, that made me laugh. Alright. Um and play what they can make from that. They don't come to the table with a character concept, but it seems like many contemporary games focus on players building the specific kind of character they want. Neither way is wrong, just two different approaches. I think the biggest thing that gets me fired up about gaming discussions in this vein is the conceit that 5E and other modern RPGs are better because we've had 40 years of evolution in gaming mechanic design. I personally think that it is a bunch of bunk. Newer doesn't by default mean better. There have been interesting changes over the years, but I don't see them as better or worse, just different. But yet, I get the vibe from some younger games, such as kids in my school's gaming club, my son's middle school friends, and some posters in 5e social media groups that they think 5e is better. Overall, to older editions, and I disagree. The perception that old can't be good is foolish. What this all boils down to for me is that there are lots of games and lots of ways to game. And you just need to find what is the best fit for you. I'm sure 5e is a great game. I have all the books but never played. Mostly because every time I sit down to read the player's handbook, I quickly get the feeling that this game is not designed to be very compatible with my play preferences. I could strip out what I don't like since it is very modular in design, but then I might as well just play older versions of D&D. Finally, I wanted to point out that I do recognize that the earlier editions did suffer from some organizational challenges. I think that one of the great things about the OSR movement and the retro clone games that are coming out of it is that we now have some games that have the feel of the old games but benefit from some streamlined organization. Old School Essentials is my current game of choice for just such a reason. Anyway, great episode. I love hearing from John Peterson. His knowledge in the subject is always impressive. Thanks, and keep up the great work. DM Kojo.
2: (laughs) Misete, 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 Kojo. All right. (laughs) So lots to unpack. Uh, I agree, I think, with 100% of everything he said.
0: (laughs) Well, one of the things that I want to point out is in, in no way did I want people to get the idea that I was saying 5e was better <laughs> than basic d and D. I I kind of uh, cut, like, <laughs> the whole,
2: like, 40 years of evolution in game mechanic design. Like, I had brought that up earlier, mm. but, like, I don't, I don't know. It's like you have, like, a 1960s, like, muscle car. That's the that's x d d and d to me. And then, like... 5 e is like a sedan. Well, like I think... a Honda Civic. The <laughs> Honda Civic of 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 D&D RPG, right? Like you could soup it up. Honda Civics, you know, they're the Tokyo drift car, right? <laughs> but also it's reliable, it's easy to fix, it gets you where you're going. You know, when I when I want to when I want to have a joyride, I'm going to get in that muscle car. But you know, like I said in the last email, 5e games online are a dime a dozen. You can, like, you could open your door and find a social media post for a 5 e DD game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think part of that is is not so much evolution in game mechanic design, but evolution in game mechanic representation, which is kind of what the OSR is doing that he mentions below. Uh, it, it's become apparent the way that these are digested and the the... the and I think we really got there in the mid 80s. I don't really think it, it took us uh, that long as gamers as a whole. Obviously, I'm speaking uh, of the community of RPGs, not just my own experiences, but I think we got there uh, around 83, 84, right? I mean, like that, that those representations of how to play uh uh that came in the red box, I feel like that still holds up as one of the best ways to learn the game. So mm-hmm. um you know, I, I don't even think it took forty years. I think it took about ten, and 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 we Didn't were there. Did John Peterson say
2: by like nineteen seventy eight they basically had done everything that you could possibly do with original D anD D? Well, I mean, I don't I don't know if I would quote him saying that, but uh, uh he, he said something to the extent of that. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I mean, like you know, we figured out ascending AC in nineteen eighty three. It's just we couldn't implement it yet.
0: Yeah, that's that's hearsay. I heard uh, uh, Frank Minzer talk about that at, at North Texas that they were going to do ascending AC for the the red box, um, and they decided not to because they didn't want it to contradict the AD and D rules. They wanted they wanted when that change to happen for it to happen with both.
3: Mm. Um, when he was talking about a lot of people come to to the table with their characters like already planned out and then kind of roll to make make it match their mm. character. Um, that made me realize. I feel like almost every game I play, like I kind of pick. Well, I mean, I do like dwarves, but I feel like I stick with them because they are almost like my comfort zone. Whereas, um, if I if I was rolling straight down the line, i I might not. It might um, encourage me to to branch out and not just stick to my comfort zone on on character creation.
2: Hmm. I uh, I like the down the line method, but I I do think that. I think you have to be upfront with that if you're going to do that with today's gamers. Um, it's super fun. Like, I don't know if, like, if you've never done it before, do it. Just be like, I don't know what I'm going to play. And throw a bunch of dice on the table and be like, guess I'm a this thing.
0: Yeah, I, I remember uh, running uh, Adventures League for 5e at a local game store. And for one night, I ran... Uh, red box D&D for everybody. And we rolled 3D6 down the line. And, and some people loved it, and some people really disliked it. And uh, I, one person who had been an old school gamer for a long, long time, who was in my group, said, you know, creating a character is fun, but rolling 3D6 down the line is like being born. And I think there's <laughs> something to that. like Just like, you're seeing what's being created in front of you. You're not necessarily creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I I use pregen so much these days. Like even for like if I run Swords of Warserry Light, which is the simplest, you know, old school RPG there is, I would say, uh, that still manages to feel old school to me. Um I still use pre-gens for that, and it's it's as quick at character creation as you're probably gonna get. So. Yeah, man,
2: like the whole the whole game is on a double sided laminate, <laughs> like hard stock
0: sheet. Yeah, it- I, I I understand, but I still use pre-gens for that, so I I kind of rob people of that experience a little bit. So maybe I should start going back to three d six down the line and and let them be, I- let them be born. I wanted my players for my game
2: tomorrow to do three d six, but like immediately you know, I was like, "Do you guys want to play D and D?" One of them was like, "I'm really a magic user," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, I guess I gotta throw that out the window." <laughs> uh, but I, we, when we were talking with Jason on this episode, I was like, "Man, I I hate five e characters. <laughs> like, when you make them with when you make them with the array, it's so boring. It's just like every character. It's like, all right, I have plus seven to hit. I do a d eight plus five damage." I have fourteen hit points. It's like every single one of them are like that.
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of times when people play five E, they they rely on those type of uh, uh, averaging metrics. And I think five E would be more fun to me if I just rolled hit points. Rolled it is stats. though.
2: It, like a hundred percent is.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean I, I I see nothing wrong there's no reason why you can't take 5e and pull in these old school uh concepts I mean it it, it is it is a malleable enough system I don't think it's yeah. as malleable as like BX or a D and D is um but it is still malleable enough uh but I mean he did it on his on his starter kit show he was talking about they rolled stats on that show. Yeah, but like uh,
2: what Dean Martin Kojo was saying, uh, where he's like, you you know, you can modify. I've had this experience with 5 E, and like, I could modify 5e. It's got all of these Mm -hmm. wonderful optional rules that I could just make it play like BX. But at that point, I've done all this work and I'm just like, I could have just played BX this whole Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the thing. It's a nice... I think that one of 5e's strengths, I feel like we're talking way too much about 5e on this episode, but I think one of its greatest strengths is that uh, and one of its greatest weaknesses is that it's all things to everyone. Mm-hmm. So you could have it be, this could be the last edition of D&D, and like, you know, they could Fahrenheit 451 year old school books and like, burn them on a pile and then give you your standard issue player's handbook, right? Uh, in the weird Italian totalitarian government I just made up in my head that is run by Hasbro which is like they've amassed enough Transformers money where they're a mega corporation now uh (laughs) I don't know where my brain's going with this anyways uh you could modify it to play like these other games um and that's great but like also you can modify it to play like these other games so I feel like it the mixture is muddled a little bit um also, big ups to our boy Gavin, Old School Essentials. <laughs> I'm letting them use the advanced character options. Uh, I curated the list of like racist class stats. Uh, I They had 17 choices to choose from. So like anyone who says that, especially with Old School Essentials now being out, that there's no choices in Old School D&D and that's why it's bad, they're wrong. And I hope that they uh, get shipwrecked on a desert island. And have to eat like jellyfish for the rest of their life uh but
3: might be a little extreme but you know <laughs> <laughs> whatever
2: yeah yeah you know. just i i just hope that you know they i hope that they become the green arrow i guess i don't know um but yeah like old school essentials so good
0: yeah that's definitely one that's benefited from that concept of how do people digest mechanics and where do they mm-hmm. look for in the book for those mechanics. Uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I mean I think I think everybody should at least get the spell book for sure, because that just mm-hmm. would be very handy to have at your table.
2: No, oh, what a great email. That was a wonderful, thought provoking email. Also Thank you
3: as always, DM Kojo.
2: Der Meister Singer.
3: You left his last name off. What?
2: <laughs> Der Meistersinger.
0: <laughs> that wasn't even in the format of the joke. They're Meister Singer Kojo. There you go. There you go. It was like a foreign language to me until that part. <laughs> That's because it was. Yeah, I know.
3: Now it all makes
0: sense. Oh, goodness. New
3: Marine Kojo.
0: <laughs> I also agree that having John Peterson is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun time.
3: I would agree. I think I could just sit around and listen to stories and facts and tidbits all day
0: well we Um, i i I don't want anybody to hear this and be uh uh, dismayed we we have other emails we're not going to read them on this show we'll read them on the next show but they've not got lost uh in the mire uh uh, we will get to your email soon but we just didn't want to go too long and
2: i think that'll be our show for uh this episode Uh, as always, you can write us in at questions at saverdie.info You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the Saverdie Podcast Don't forget to stay after the credits to listen to our AP Podcast segment Uh, and uh, that'll be it This this one's done, it's in the can
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening
3: Peace out, Cub Scouts
2: Are you enjoying
0: the show you're listening to right now? Great! Why not head over to patreon.com slash
2: WGP and support that show for as little as dollar a month. Dollar a month goes a long way to helping support the network for Wild Games Productions. Again, that's patreon.com slash WGP. Thank you.
4: So you like AD&D 2nd edition but no podcast to listen to? Guess what? We got the cure right here. I got a fever. And the only prescription... It's the Thaco's Hammer Podcast. You want me to put the hammer down? Join DMs Glenn, Brian, Corey, and Full On Gamer as they discuss, debate, and review the world of second edition AD. Yes. Give me a gin. Yeah, gin. that's that's DM Corey ordering drinks. Sorry, sorry, girlfriend's getting gin. Rules, modules, supplements, clones. Everything to e is fair game. Someone lied to you and there's an opposed role
2: and, oh, they won, so you believe the lie. I know, but I don't because I, the player, know that they lied to me. But you, the character, have to act like you take the
4: lie. So listen into to a podcast where number two is number one. The Thakos Hammer podcast, the best damn second edition ADD podcast ever. You'll find it on iTunes or at ThakosHammer.info.
0: Bilda and Leothward are in the study of a wizard with the red shields. In this study with them is a pacified giant ape, currently munching some almonds. They have just heard the voices of people deep in the dungeons with uh, the keen hearing of Leothward. he was able to pick out their voices as they argued about getting back to their study. Leothwar, as you guys are uh, deciding your options, you hear a shrill. What? What's this? My snake is dead. What do you do? His snake is dead? That's what he said. Did we kill a giant snake? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> the giant snake that killed Yon.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Which is ironic because in the Resident Evil games,
2: uh, there's a giant snake enemy named Yon. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. That's weird. Um, hmm. Remember that that super
0: memorable encounter I DM'd with the giant snake?
2: (laughs) You know, Carl, that was a while ago. Four
3: years (laughs) ago.
0: It's it's not like
2: a reflection on you. It was just like a while ago.
3: If I look at these books on the table, can I tell that they're magic or spell books? Like, I I get I can't read what Mm -hmm. spells they are, but do I...
0: They're definitely spellbooks. Spell
3: books. They're definitely spellbooks,
0: and they're huge. They're like three foot by two foot giant books.
2: Three. It's a big book. Hmm. Um. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if that guy owns the snake that killed Yon, I think we're entitled to financial compensation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think we need to oh, grab oh, these books and killed. go.
2: Let's uh.
0: Let's grab. Let's grab the books. and book it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I get it.
0: Okay, so you're grabbing these giant books. They're heavy. Um, whoever's carrying a book is not going to be able to do anything except carry the book and run. You're nah. not going to be successfully fighting or anything like that, casting magic or anything like that. So, who's carrying the books?
2: I'll carry a book.
3: Cooper will carry a book. I will say, and somebody else. Okay.
0: Okay, so Cooper has a book. You have a book. And you're running down the stairs. Uh, once you pick up the book, the ape uh, kind of freaks out again. Do you have any more almonds? <laughs> um, but it's not like anger. It's just like, uh, like almost fear. Like almost like, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, oh. But, you know, you're booking it. You're running down the stairs. Uh, and uh, we're trying to get out the front door. And you know what? They're uh, just... uh Running up their stairs, trying to get back into the tower. uh, Worried about their giant snake. So I think we're just going to make this a die roll and see if you get out of there before they get up. Uh, So let's decide what that die roll is going to be. What if we just roll a single d20 for your group and a single d20 for their group? That seems
3: but let's keep More in mind we're fair. running downstairs and they're running upstairs it's much yeah, easier but to travel downstairs
0: also five of you that have to get out and only a few of them that have to get up so let's just see let's just make it a uh, I mean because the, the other option would be I I let you all roll but I think it should just be um, let's just roll uh, Courtney why don't you roll a d20 I'll roll a d20 and whoever rolls highest wins
3: Oh jeez. anybody wants to send me some dice I rolled 11.
0: I rolled an 8. You guys make it out of the room carrying the books into the streets of Manubria uh, right before they come up into their trapdoor, into their home uh, and you kind of hear a brief maybe like holler you know like, get up there! And they go to the second floor looking for you after you're traveling quite a bit, running away from the tower, you hear,
4: ah CURSES!
0: And you are now in the city streets of Manubria, carrying two very giant. obvious <laughs> giant books. Uh, and uh, you are just leaving the earshot of a very angered magic user. Where would you like to go? What would you like to do?
2: Hmm. Do we know where Yon lived? Can we go to Yon's house?
0: Good question. Yeah, Cooper knew knows where Yon lived.
2: Or we could go to Phineas. Phinean. Phinean. Thank you. I'm thinking Phineas and Ferb for some reason. Uh, what do you think, Courtney? Like, where are we um, going?
3: Who's is Phineas the guy who sent us to look for the books? Yeah. Okay. Phinean. Um, which one's closer? Hmm. I kind of say we go to Finian either way, but because we're not going to know if, it, if the book is the one he's looking for or not.
0: Um, Leah Thward could probably figure it out with a spell. It's but up he'll here.
3: have to rest and prepare a different spell. Mm-hmm.
0: We could take it to a sage, I guess,
2: and see if like he can decipher it.
3: Is that safe?
2: I don't know. I mean, we already done did the deed, you know?
3: Well I should not know how wanted this book was Like if we took it to a sage and they realized That it's the book of Xenopus Are they gonna lie to us so that we can give it up To them or are they gonna hmm. Like I don't know how wanted This item is Obviously it's worth money to well, I mean like
2: we don't even know if it's, if it's the thing
3: well, well right But assuming it is hmm. All I'm saying is I trust no one
0: Cooper says we better make a decision Fast and get off these streets Let's take it to Phineas Finian.
3: What well, if you just take it to him like, we found it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just be like, hey, he's like, this is a cookbook. And we're like, oh, we thought we found it. Like so. Oh, yeah, we it.
2: have some apologies to make.
3: How much would you pay us for this book? Okay, so yeah, let's go to let's take it to Phinean. Alright.
0: Uh, you approach Finian's tower in the city of Manubria and he greets you, and I gotta try to remember how to do his voice. And it was old, but also kind of cranky, but not he evil. He was like,
2: "He was, he was like, <laughs> hey everybody, it's me, Phineas."
0: Yeah, that was right. I'm a wizard. That was quick. You're back so soon.
2: Really? Because it seems like it's been months, <laughs> if not a year at least.
0: Hmm. Very strange. You found. What what
3: is the what did you find? Well obviously it's the book of Xenopus. Which one? It's Volume one and two.
0: <laughs> <sighs> let me look. I'll sit them down. And he like clears space on his table for you to put the books down. Wait, I
2: put my book down.
0: Yeah, Cooper will put one down too, and he looks them over and he uh does some incantation and, and peers through the text and uh, looks up at your group and says, These are not the Book of Xenopus. We're, what? These are spell books. Where did you find these? <clears throat> uh,
2: in the Tower of Xenopus. Kind of. In the Tower of Xenopus's annex? <laughs> I'm just gonna tell him the truth be more like, clear oh i I'll just tell him the truth that we went through the ruins through the dungeon and ended up in someone's tower and uh thought maybe this is it.
0: Finian sits in his chair and leans back in his chair and he goes ah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not the only one looking for the Book of Xenopus. I see, I see. Well, I appreciate the gift of these books, but you have put
2: yourself—you—you said that we would keep anything we find.
0: Understand this: you have put yourself in a dangerous situation. But yeah,
3: we lost our friend.
0: Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, sorry. Sorry to hear that. But I mean, this other wizard. He is also looking for the Book of Xenipas. Yes, and he's kept that from me. The wizard Akamon has been here for quite some time. I always expected he was up to something. I now see that he's going down into the dungeons himself. Very dangerous for a wizard. Obviously, he wants to find this book before I do. Well, we won't let him. I'll pay you double my offered price if you get that book to me.
2: What about the matter at hand? These books that we have that we've, like, shown him, Um, how long would it take to, like, read magic through them and, like, decipher them?
0: I mean, you can't read magic, you can read them. Now, you uh, cannot use them. You would have to copy the the magical notations mm-hmm. to your own uh texts.
2: I know they're gigantic books. Like could you give me an ETA on
0: that? Well, it's a it's a gold coin cost an ETA. I would say probably um at least 100 gold per spell level. Mm. I and that's generous uh, for the for BX, the BX the <laughs> BX. Um,
2: I don't have that kind of cash. So, um
0: Finian has offered to you for you to leave them with him. Um, Now, how much you want to trust uh, Finian on that, that's up to you. But that would at least keep you from carrying around these giant books with you while you're (laughs) on the lam. Hmm. Uh,
2: Can I broker a deal with Finian? You can try. What do you want to do? Finian, I'm willing to let you have these books free of charge. If at your leisure or, or mine come back and, over time, copy the contents of the books.
0: Just be sure to bring me the Book of Xenopus and I'll let you copy any spell you want.
2: Is everyone else okay with that? I'm gonna, like... Probably should have checked in with everyone else first. I mean, these are
0: useless to everybody else in the group.
2: That's true. But, I mean, they could have gotten the monetary cost of it.
0: Alright, yeah. That's fair. Um, It doesn't bother anybody in the Red Shields. Uh,
3: that's fine with me. Sounds good to me, Leothard. Finian, any suggestions? Anything else that could aid us in our journey? Now that you know a little bit more about what we're up against.
4: Well,
0: the longer he's without these books, the less powerful his magic will be. He will not be able to do the proper studying to recalibrate For the movement of the stars and the planets, the heavenly bodies will move and he will lack the magical knowledge to redo his magic until he gets these books or replaces them. So avoid him for as long as you can. And if it comes to battle, be wary. He will still be dangerous. Hmm. And be prepared. He may have other magical tricks that you aren't aware of. He does have a pet monkey. What? <laughs> oh. yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Hold on, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I want, to I get that clean. <gasps> what? In 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 his home,
2: he's got a. Was that was that like a white ape or was it just an ape?
0: Um, I'm gonna say it's, It was just an ape, just a giant angry ape. Oh, would I even know what an ape is? sure <laughs> i don't care <laughs> i'm not i'm not for that uh i don't I, yeah i don't know if there's any benefit for us for you to not know what a ape is <laughs> comedic
2: effect i guess
0: i guess but i mean it's not like you're gonna be like oh well, let's just go up to it and hug it
2: <laughs> i try to circumlocute my way around describing what a gorilla is without saying the word gorilla yeah uh yeah so i'll explain like when we we're in his home before he uh, he came upstairs and we absconded with his books, uh, he he has caged in his study a, a terrifying ape beast. Though I think Hilda was able to get in with him.
3: Hmm. He did like almonds.
0: Well, that would be something else to look out for. I feel like my voice is all over the place.
3: <laughs> I'm actually low on almonds. Do you have any I could carry with me in case we encounter him again?
0: Um, He goes to his pantry and looks and he says, oh, yes! I have some right here. And he hands you a bag of almonds.
3: Thank you.
2: Uh, I think that we should rest and heal up a little bit and then see if we can go back into the dungeon. Through the original entrance we had gone
3: through. Yeah. resting here seems safe. Finian is there somewhere here we could stay?
0: No, no. Or? No, you'll have to stay at the inn, I'm afraid. I do not pick oh. up visitors. Oh, Good night. Goodbye.
3: Mm. <laughs> we cannot out. bring back a book, too.
0: <laughs> well, then you will not get a reward. Oh.
3: Hmm. Which way to the (laughs) inn?
0: Cooper says, did you still want to try Jan's house?
3: I guess we could
2: stay at Jan's house. It's going to be awkward, though, if Jan has, like, a family. And then (laughs) we
3: have to be like, hey. Well, Cooper would know. Um,
0: As far as he knows, Jan uh, lived alone. Oh, that's sad. He didn't have anyone in the whole world.
2: I don't know, like Ackerman may know who Yon is or might be able to like, I don't know, he's like a wizard, you know, like he might be able to speak to Yon and get information. Oh, crap. Actually, I want to (laughs) ask before he kicks us out, I want to ask Finian if he can give us any more information about Ackerman. Like, is is Ackerman, uh, is he like especially famous in wizarding circles um,
0: Finian uh, says, oh, yes, um, Ackerman is somewhat infamous among the w- wizards of Moxdara. I'm afraid that he's not the person you would want to have against you. Not sp- mm. because of any special links of power. I don't, I don't mean to scare you. Uh, simply because uh, the links he'll go to get what he wants.
2: So, generally, he's, like, pretty not a good guy.
0: No, I would not invite him to a dinner party. Do you, would you say
2: that if things were to go unamicably, that uh, he would not be missed if something were to happen to him?
0: Yes, I would say that was a true statement.
2: Uh, it- Does he have any sort of signature spell or, like, magical trinket that he's well known for that we should watch out for? Hmm.
0: Hmm. He says, somehow, somewhere along the way, he has harnessed the ability to turn others to stone. But I've looked through these books, and it is not in them. Hmm. That's
2: odd, because the staircase that led from the ruins under the Tower of Xenopus into his home, there were a number of stone figures running. Were they running up the stairs to his house, or were they running away from his house?
0: Up the stairs towards his house. Okay. So I I say that version of things. Victims. I'd warrant... Hmm.
2: Do you know of any cures that might exist for pe- petrified people? Is there any sort of way that we might be able to cure those victims?
0: Yes, such magic exists. It is beyond my abilities, but it is it is accessible. Someone would be able to cure them.
3: It's not in the book. No. Do you know who might know the answer? sir, do you have another wizard friend?
0: Hmm. I could uh, send ravens to some other wizards and see if it's within anybody's ability, but who are these people and why are we trying to save them? We don't know, but whoever they are, they...
3: Maybe they returned to stone because they got too close, or they knew too much. Hmm.
0: I will send some ravens, and I will let you know.
2: Be careful who you send ravens to. We probably don't want to attract the attention that we're looking into Ackerman.
0: I'll handle my business. I know what to do. I'll go. All
2: right. I I guess we'll go. All right. So where do you go? Yon's abandoned house.
0: Or the tavern?
3: The Mm. tavern might give us more information.
2: Possibly. I don't want to ask around about him too much because I don't want word to get back to him, though. He's the kind of mage who, like, he screams curses when, <laughs> like, bad stuff happens to him. And, like, so you know that's not a good guy. I think, like, the longer we can elude him so as his power, like, dwindles, uh, I think the better, personally.
3: Is Jan going to be identifiable since we left him in the dungeon?
0: I mean, he was just bitten and poisoned by a snake. I mean, he is a dead body, but... Uh, as- assuming somehow, some way, uh, Ackermann knew Jan, uh, he would, he would still recognize him, I assume. And Jan's a pretty, um, distinguishable person. He's a, uh, large man with the bushy red hair. And I mean, he's very, very, uh, 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 it sticks out. He's not Joe average at all.
3: I guess right. I'm just worried that if we go to Jan's house and he comes there, Since Yon died in his dungeon from a snake. So it might be safer to go to the inn.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It might be like better to lay low and play in sight. Yeah, I think we're both voting for the inn.
0: Okay. Hilda, Leothward and the Red Shields travel to the inn and on the way there they hear a familiar voice say hello there how are you doing and they turn and see standing there the ghostly apparition of Yon. and that's where we're going to stop for this episode uh please join us next time on save or die
3: so we see Yon.
2: we see Yon's ghost
4: The Savor Die Podcast is a production of Wild Games Production and it's produced for entertainment purposes only. The music used in the intro and outro is by tripod and used with permission. Be sure to visit the Savor Die crew at saverdie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreoncom WGP.